Section 8 of The Story of My Life, Part 2, Letters, by Helen Keller and John Albert Macy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Story of My Life, Part 2, Letters, Section 8, Letters 54 through 63 letter fifty four to miss caroline derby tuscumbia alabama february eighteenth eighteen ninety three you have often been in my thoughts during these sad days while my heart has been grieving over the loss of my beloved friend philip brooks died january twenty third eighteen ninety three and i have wished many times that i was in boston with those who knew and loved him as i did he was so much of a friend to me, so tender and loving always. I do try not to mourn his death too sadly. I do try to think that he is still near, very near. But sometimes the thought that he is not here, that I shall not see him when I go to Boston, that he is gone, rushes over my soul like a great wave of sorrow. But at other times when I am happier, I do feel his beautiful presence and his loving hand leading me in pleasant ways. Do you remember the happy hour we spent with him last June when he held my hand, as he always did, and talked to us about his friend Tennyson and our own dear poet, Dr. Holmes, and I tried to teach him the manual alphabet, and he laughed so gaily over his mistakes, and afterward I told him about my tea, and he promised to come. I can hear him now saying in his cheerful, decided way, in reply to my wish that my tea might be a success. Of course it will, Helen. Put your whole heart in the good work, my child, and it cannot fail. I am glad the people are going to raise a monument in his memory. In March, Helen and Miss Sullivan went north and spent the next few months traveling and visiting friends. In reading this letter about Niagara, one should remember that Miss Keller knows distance and shape, and that the size of Niagara is within her experience after she has explored it, crossed the bridge and gone down the elevator. Especially important are such details as her feeling the rush of the water by putting her hand on the window. Dr. Bell gave her a down pillow, which she held against her to increase the vibrations. Letter 55 to Mrs. Kate Adams Keller, South Boston, April 13, 1893 teacher mrs pratt and i very unexpectedly decided to take a journey with dear dr bell mr westervelt a gentleman whom father met in washington has a school for the deaf in rochester we went there first mr westervelt gave us a reception one afternoon a great many people came some of them asked odd questions a lady seemed surprised that I loved flowers when I could not see their beautiful colors, and when I assured her I did love them, she said, No doubt you feel the colors with your fingers. But of course it is not alone for their bright colors that we love the flowers. A gentleman asked me what beauty meant to my mind. I must confess I was puzzled at first, but after a minute I answered that beauty was a form of goodness, and he went away. 
When the reception was over, we went back to the hotel, and teacher slept quite unconscious of the surprise which was in store for her. Mr. Bell and I planned it together, and Mr. Bell made all the arrangements before we told teacher anything about it. This was the surprise. I was to have the pleasure of taking my dear teacher to see Niagara Falls. The hotel was so near the river that I could feel it rushing past by putting my hand on the window. The next morning the sun rose bright and warm, and we got up quickly for our hearts were full of pleasant expectation. You can never imagine how I felt when I stood in the presence of Niagara until you have the same mysterious sensations yourself. I could hardly realize that it was water that I felt rushing and plunging with impetuous fury at my feet. It seemed as if it were some living thing rushing on to some terrible fate. I wish I could describe the cataract as it is, its beauty and awful grandeur, and the fearful and irresistible plunge of its waters over the brow of the precipice. One feels helpless and overwhelmed in the presence of such a vast force. I had the same feeling once before when I first stood by the great ocean and felt its waves beating against the shore. I suppose you feel so, too, when you gaze up to the stars in the stillness of the night, do you not? We went down a hundred and twenty feet in an elevator that we might see the violent eddies and whirlpools in the deep gorge below the falls. Within two miles of the falls is a wonderful suspension bridge. It is thrown across the gorge at a height of two hundred and fifty-eight feet above the water, and is supported on each bank by towers of solid rock, which are eight hundred feet apart. When we crossed over to the Canadian side, I cried, God save the Queen. Teacher said I was a little traitor, but I do not think so. I was only doing as the Canadians do while I was in their country, and besides, I honor England's good Queen. You will be pleased, dear mother, to hear that a kind lady whose name is Miss Hooker is endeavoring to improve my speech. Oh, I do so hope and pray that I shall speak well some day. Mr. Munsell spent last Sunday evening with us. How you would have enjoyed hearing him tell about Venice. His beautiful word pictures made us feel as if we were sitting in the shadow of San Marco dreaming or sailing upon the moonlit canal. I hope when I visit Venice, as I surely shall some day, that Mr. Munsell will go with me. That is my castle in the air. You see, none of my friends describe things to me so vividly and so beautifully as he does. Her visit to the World's Fair she described in a letter to Mr. John P. Spaulding, which was published in St. Nicholas, and is much like the following letter. In a prefatory note which Miss Sullivan wrote for St. Nicholas, she says that people frequently said to her, Helen sees more with her fingers than we do with our eyes. The president of the exposition gave her this letter. Letter 56. To the chiefs of the departments and officers in charge of buildings and exhibits. Gentlemen, the bearer, Miss Helen Keller, accompanied by Miss Sullivan, is desirous of making a complete inspection of the exposition in all departments. She is blind and deaf, but is able to converse, and is introduced to me as one having a wonderful ability to understand the object she visits, and as being possessed of a high order of intelligence and of culture beyond her years. 
please favor her with every facility to examine the exhibits in the several departments, and extend to her such other courtesies as may be possible. Thanking you in advance for the same, I am, with respect, very truly yours, signed H. N. Higginbotham, President. Letter 57 to Miss Caroline Derby, Holton, Pennsylvania, August 17, 1893. Everyone at the fair was very kind to me. Nearly all of the exhibitors seemed perfectly willing to let me touch the most delicate things, and they were very nice about explaining everything to me. A French gentleman, whose name I cannot remember, showed me the great French bronzes. I believe they gave me more pleasure than anything else at the fair. They were so lifelike and wonderful to my touch. Dr. Bell went with us himself to the electrical building and showed us some of the historical telephones. I saw the one through which Emperor Dom Pedro listened to the words, To be or not to be, at the centennial. Dr. Gillette of Illinois took us to the liberal arts and women's buildings. In the former, I visited Tiffany's exhibit and held the beautiful Tiffany diamond, which is valued at $100,000, and touched many other rare and costly things. I sat in King Ludwig's armchair and felt like a queen when Dr. Gillette remarked that I had many loyal subjects. At the woman's building, we met the Princess Maria Shafskoy of Russia and a beautiful Syrian lady. I liked them both very much. I went to the Japanese department with Professor Morse, who was a well-known lecturer. I never realized what a wonderful people the Japanese are until I saw their most interesting exhibit. Japan must indeed be a paradise for children, to judge from the great number of playthings which are manufactured there. The queer-looking Japanese musical instruments and their beautiful works of art were interesting. The Japanese books are very odd. There are 47 letters in their alphabets. Professor Morse knows a great deal about Japan and is very kind and wise. He invited me to visit his museum in Salem the next time I go to Boston. But I think I enjoyed the sails on the tranquil lagoon and the lovely scenes as my friends described them to me more than anything else at the fair. Once, while we were out on the water, the sun went down over the rim of the earth and threw a soft rosy light over the white city, making it look more than ever like dreamland. Of course we visited the Midway Plaisance. It was a bewildering and fascinating place. I went into the streets of Cairo and rode on the camel. That was fine fun. We also rode in the Ferris wheel and on the ice railway and had a sail in the whaleback. In the spring of 1893, a club was started in Tuscumbia, of which Mrs. Keller was president, to establish a public library. Miss Keller says, Letter 58 I wrote to my friends about the work and enlisted their sympathy. Several hundred books, including many fine ones, were sent to me in a short time, as well as money and encouragement. This generous assistance encouraged the ladies, and they have gone on collecting and buying books ever since, until now they have a very respectable public library in the town. Letter 59 to Mrs. Charles E. Inches, Halton, Pennsylvania, October 21, 1893. 
We spent September at home in Tuscumbia, and were all very happy together. Our quiet mountain home was especially attractive and restful after the excitement and fatigue of our visit to the World's Fair. We enjoyed the beauty and solitude of the hills more than ever. And now we are in Halton, Pennsylvania again, where I am going to study this winter with a tutor assisted by my dear teacher. I study arithmetic, Latin, and literature. I enjoy my lessons very much. It is so pleasant to learn about new things. Every day I find how little I know, but I do not feel discouraged since God has given me an eternity in which to learn more. In literature I am studying Longfellow's poetry. I know a great deal of it by heart, for I loved it long before I knew a metaphor from a synecdoche. I used to say I did not like arithmetic very well, but now I have changed my mind. I see what a good and useful study it is, though I must confess my mind wanders from it sometimes, for nice and useful as arithmetic is, it is not as interesting as a beautiful poem or a lovely story. But bless me, how time does fly! I have only a few moments left in which to answer your questions about the Helen Keller Public Library. 1. I think there are about 3,000 people in Tuscumbia, Alabama, and perhaps half of them are colored people. 2. At present there is no library of any sort in the town. That is why I thought about starting one. My mother and several of my lady friends said they would help me, and they formed a club, the object of which is to work for the establishment of a free public library in Tuscumbia. They have now about one hundred books and about fifty-five dollars in money, and a kind gentleman has given us land on which to erect a library building. But in the meantime the club has rented a little room in a central part of the town, and the books which we already have are free to all. 3. Only a few of my kind friends in Boston know anything about the library. I did not like to trouble them while I was trying to get money for poor little Tommy, for of course it was more important that he should be educated than that my people should have books to read. 4. I do not know what books we have, but I think it is a miscellaneous, I think that is the word, collection. P.S. My teacher thinks it would be more businesslike to say that a list of the contributors toward the building fund will be kept and published in my father's paper, The North Alabamian. H.K. Letter 60 to Miss Caroline Derby, Halton, Pennsylvania, December 28, 1893. Please thank Miss Derby for me for the pretty shield which she sent me. It is a very interesting souvenir of Columbus and of the fair white city, but I cannot imagine what discoveries I have made. I mean, new discoveries. We are all discoverers in one sense, being born quite ignorant of all things, but I hardly think that is what she meant. Tell her she must explain why I am a discoverer. Letter 61 to Dr. Edward Everett Hale Halton, Pennsylvania, January 14, 1894. My dear cousin, I had thought to write to you long before this in answer to your kind letter which I was so glad to receive, and to thank you for the beautiful little book which you sent me. But I have been very busy since the beginning of the new year. 
The publication of my little story in the Youth's Companion has brought me a large number of letters. Last week I received sixty-one. And besides replying to some of these letters, I have many lessons to learn, among them arithmetic and Latin. And you know, Caesar is Caesar still, imperious and tyrannical, and if a little girl would understand so great a man, and the wars and conquests of which he tells in his beautiful Latin language, she must study much and think much, and study and thought require time. I shall prize the little book always, not only for its own value, but because of its associations with you. It is a delight to think of you as the giver of one of your books into which I am sure you have wrought your own thoughts and feelings, and I thank you very much for remembering me in such a very beautiful way. In February, Helen and Miss Sullivan returned to Tuscumbia. They spent the rest of the spring reading and studying. In the summer, they attended the meeting at Chautauqua of the American Association for the Promotion of the Teaching of Speech to the Deaf, where Miss Sullivan read a paper on Helen Keller's education. In the fall, Helen and Miss Sullivan entered the Wright-Humason School in New York, which makes a special of lip-reading and voice culture. The singing lessons were to strengthen her voice. She had taken a few piano lessons at the Perkins Institution. The experiment was interesting, but of course came too little. Letter 62 to Miss Caroline Derby, The Wright Hummison School, 42nd West 76th Street, New York, October 23, 1894. The school is very pleasant and bless you. It is quite fashionable. I study arithmetic, English literature, and United States history as I did last winter. I also keep a diary. I enjoy my singing lessons with Dr. Hummison more than I can say. I expect to take piano lessons sometime. Last Saturday, our kind teachers planned a delightful trip to Bedloe's Island to see Bartholdi's great Statue of Liberty enlightening the world. The ancient cannon, which looks seaward, wear a very menacing expression, but I doubt if there is any unkindness in their rusty old hearts. Liberty is a gigantic figure of a woman in Greek draperies, holding in her right hand a torch. A spiral stairway leads from the base of this pedestal to the torch. We climbed up to the head, which will hold forty persons, and viewed the scene on which Liberty gazes day and night, and oh, how wonderful it was. We did not wonder that the great French artist thought the place worthy to be the home of his grand ideal. The glorious bay lay calm and beautiful in the October sunshine, and the ships came and went like idle dreams. Those seaward going slowly disappeared like clouds that changed from gold to gray. Those homeward coming sped more quickly like birds that seek their mother's nest. Letter 63 to Miss Caroline Derby, The Wright Hummison School, New York, March 15, 1895. I think I have improved a little in lip-reading, though I am still finding it very difficult to read rapid speech. But I am sure I shall succeed some day if only I persevere. Dr. Hummison is still trying to improve my speech. Oh, Carrie, how I should like to speak like other people. 
I should be willing to work night and day if it could only be accomplished. Think what a joy it would be to all of my friends to hear me speak naturally. I wonder why it is so difficult and perplexing for a deaf child to learn to speak when it is so easy for other people. But I am sure I shall speak perfectly sometime, if I am only patient. Although I have been so busy, I have found time to read a good deal. I have lately read Wilhelm Tell by Schiller and The Lost Vestal. Now I am reading Nathan the Wise by Lessing and King Arthur by Miss Mulock. You know our kind teachers take us to see everything which they think will interest us, and we learn a great deal in that delightful way. On George Washington's birthday we all went to the dog show, and although there was a great crowd in the Madison Square Garden, and despite the bewilderment caused by the variety of sounds made by the dog orchestra, which was very confusing to those who could hear them, we enjoyed the afternoon very much. Among the dogs which received the most attention were the bulldogs. They permitted themselves startling liberties when anyone caressed them, crowding themselves almost into one's arms and helping themselves without ceremony to kisses, apparently unconscious of the impropriety of their conduct. Dear me, what unbeautiful little beasts they are, but they are so good-natured and friendly, one cannot help liking them. Dr. Hummison, teacher, and I left the others at the dog show and went to a reception given by the Metropolitan Club. It is sometimes called the Millionaire's Club. The building is magnificent, being built of white marble. The rooms are large and splendidly furnished. But I must confess, so much splendor is rather oppressive to me, and I didn't envy the millionaires in the least all the happiness their gorgeous surroundings are supposed to bring them. End of section 8